You're talking about Bon Jovi? It's my life. No. It's now or never. That one. I don't want to live forever. Keep going. <laughs> it's my life. I'm pretty sure it's just a cover. The one where he goes, it's probably Sinatra or someone. That's life. That's what all the people say. Maybe you're not singing it right. Clearly, <laughs> I'm not a musician. That's why today's cast is going to be rough. I'm glad we have you here. <laughs> that seems to be the sentiment going around. What is my area of expertise? Do I have one? Is there a reason that your I name is Gabe, in? and we can't do this without I you? I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of your work. <laughs> 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 Dude, the queen died. I know, yeah. That's what I was <laughs> going to say. The queen, Elizabeth II, uh, just died today. Her majesty. The, the day that we're recording this. Very, very sad. She had a long reign, and a uh, new king just dropped. <laughs> oh. Dang <laughs> Just meme. kidding. I'm just Dank me. Just kidding. We get to say God save the king again after uh, nearly a century. Yeah, so... She was 96, did a lot of things. A lot uh, of things. For, for more information on that, you can watch The Crown. Listen to The Crown podcast on yeah. the TCP. Yeah. The Crown is great. Great show. The new season is going to drop actually soon, which is kind of funny. Wow. Ironic, like in an ironic way. I guess she passed surrounded by our loved ones, which is the only thing we can all hope, hope for, for in the end, you know. And uh, I hope you die surrounded by your love. <laughs> I hope you die. <laughs> you should have killed me when you had the chance. <laughs> you should have killed me when you had the chance. Yeah, it is really the end of an era, though. Definitely. And I know uh, the in, legacy. In many ways, to, today, of all this. The legacy of the monarchy is fraught with um, less than savory. Uh, you know, every ruler of the world, I think, has a. There's a lot of skeletons in the closet, Ooh. but at the end of the day, you know, it was still a person, and she has passed away, and so, rest in peace, queen, my queen. She's my queen, and I do not want it. <laughs> <laughs> what? You do not want it? It's what Jon Snow kept saying at the end of Game of Thrones. He's like, I don't want it. She's my queen. I do not want it. Is John Sorry. Snow John Lennon all of a sudden? Yeah, that's what he sounds like. <laughs> I, I do not remember him. I do not want to. <laughs> I'm a beetle now all of a sudden. I do not want it. I got blisters on my fingers. I do not remember him sounding that way. Well, it's pretty close. No one really remembers the end of Game of Thrones. Not I know. Very well. You and I tried to recap that yesterday in the car, mm-hmm. and we could barely remember what happened at the at the end. <laughs> it was kind of funny, actually. Yeah, well, it was all nonsensical anyway, so... Yeah, it doesn't even matter. We're living in the present where we got two great, big blockbuster fantasy series happening, so... Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, we're here now. All right. Well, we're we're here today, man. We're here today doing something uh, we haven't done in a while, which is a music episode. We've done like two or three of these? No, we've done more than that. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We've done one of these. (laughs) At least. We've done at least one. At most five or six. And today was a Gabe's choice. It was a Gabe's choice. So it's a little bit. Uh... But the reason we haven't done it in a while <laughs> is because I have not, nor Gabe 
has not found an an album that kind of I don't know speaks to us on like a personal level that we would want to dissect and go through and recommend. Um, there have been a few pretty good albums, in my opinion, this year, but nothing that was. And it's, and it's strange because in my past life, before this podcast, I feel like I've encountered a couple albums a year that I really, really dug and I would have dived deep into and recommended on this podcast. Sure. But this, like since we've started this podcast, I feel like there's only been one or two a year or one a year. And, and, and even then I'm like, yeah, this is worth talking about for its prevalence in pop culture, but it's, it doesn't even like affect me on a, on a personal level. There've been a few of them and those are the few that we've done. Are you saying the music industry is dying? No, 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 no. Art is dying. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm like, I think all the great musicians, well, I think there's a lot of things happening in music. That's kind of a separate conversation. But what I'm trying to say is that there've been a few albums this year that we've talked about doing. Um, and I, that I've thought about doing one of them is Kendrick Lamar's new album called Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. And I thought it was really good. I I just, and I, I'm actually a huge Kendrick Lamar fan. So I kind of assumed that we would do that album, but it didn't land like damn did for me, nor the, the Black Panther album, which, which he didn't act. I mean, he was like the featured artist on that album, but he wasn't in every single song. Yeah, and then another one that kind of stuck out to me that I thought might be worth doing was the the latest Kavinsky album. Oh, um, yeah. If you don't know Kavinsky, that album was called Reborn and um, featured a lot of different artists on it. But it, he's he's a um, like a producer kind of creator, and he has different featured artists who sing in different songs. But that album is so good. I almost thought about doing that one, but it kind of blew by us and then the the new muna album just dropped she they're um a a band that consists of three women that are on phoebe bridger's new record label and uh they just dropped their new album and that album was self-titled but also like it it was really hit or miss like their last album i would have actually gone through but it it i think it came out before um we started this cast a little bit before but this album like half the songs are great and then the other half are like a, like kind of not really worth talking about uh, same with i felt the harry styles album i thought it was really good but like half the songs are decent and then what was another one to be honest i really like the lizzo album a lot <laughs> mm. it's about damn time um that's not what the album's called but that's the hit song that i oh. like in love with another note where the album that has not come out yet is one of my favorite bands called copeland they're coming out with a new album that is not it's not a new lp it's it's a it's kind of like a a comprising of their best hits but they're re-recording all of them with an orchestra and i don't think we'll be covering that on here unless it just blows my mind but i don't expect it to but they are one of my favorite bands and i am excited for it but because we couldn't pick one of these albums and nothing has really stood out to us musically, I'm still waiting for something to speak to me. I asked Gabe if he had anyone that he would want to do worth doing. And his favorite band just dropped a new album, like probably like three or four weeks ago now. Right. 
Uh, a couple months. Oh, I thought it was four, I thought it was four weeks ago. <laughs> Maybe if that's the case, then time really does fly. Yeah. So like about five weeks ago. Yeah. Five weeks ago now. And what's happened since then? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the true. queen is dead. The queen. Yeah. That's gonna be like the marker for 2022. But yeah. So Gabe's favorite band. You came to me. I did come to you in a time of need. <laughs> you must have been truly desperate. <laughs> No, but but it's funny because when we first started working together again and rekindling our lost friendship, I was asking you like what your favorite bands were, and we were talking about music, and we actually have pretty similar music tastes, I think, for the most part. Yeah, um, at least historically speaking. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we I we can at least recognize goog music. Yeah, like we we're like like oh that song's good, and then we'll send it to each other, but. But I asked you what your favorite band was. If you could, if you could reduce, you know, your taste to one band, what would it be? And you said this band that yeah. we're doing today. It would probably be my favorite. It. I only started listening to this group, Dance Kevin Dance, probably in like 2016, which is where I start. And those those are the years where I started to like form my modern music tastes. That's like when I started getting into all this other stuff, like Radiohead, and you know, a lot of older stuff that started coming who? out. Yeah, who? Who's that? Um, Radio's dead. Radio killed the video. Video killed somebody. <laughs> the, radio the radio star. star. Yeah, but but yeah, uh, this album I've been listening to the heck out of. Is that a phrase? I've been listening the he- to the the I've, heck out. I've been of listening it. the heck out of this album. And to the heck, I just thought it would be cool. It's unlike the stuff we've done. Usually in the past, our music coverage. We've done different stuff, but usually it's kind of like... Different genres, different styles. This is a very unique style. Yeah. <laughs> can you can you say the name of the band again? So the band is Dance Gavin Dance. And the album? This is their 10th studio LP. It's oh called Jackpot Juicer. Is that including... Kind of a wild name. It is wild. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. <laughs> like, like, like half of their songs. It's kind of a kooky band, and they've uh, only further embraced that identity as time goes on kind of kind of quirky do those 10 lps also entail their their instrumental albums uh no oh no so So they put out 10 lps with instrumental so there's a lot of cool little trivia about dance gavin dance we could go into let's talk about dance gavin dance trivia yeah one of the things is that the cool ones the cool trivia on spotify every time they release an lp yeah a few months later they release an, an instrumental version of that album which is just exactly the regular album without the the vocals, which are both um, cleans or regular vocals, sung, and screams. They have a singing and screaming. They have a screamer, John Mess. So I guess this would be a good time to mention what this band is, the genre of it. What is the band? So it's kind of taken different shapes over the years, but essentially the ultimate reduction, I guess, of DGD, Dance Gavin Dance, is they're kind of like a post-hardcore group. Um, but they they incorporate a lot of different stuff musically. What happens after hardcore? It's post hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let me just read you like all these different words I I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> so their musical style can be described as post hardcore, uh, experimental rock, progressive rock, screamo at times but it's also a little jazzy and groovy and it incorporates a lot of different stuff and the heart of the band 
uh, one of the only two people that has been in there since the beginning in like 2006 or so is Will Swan. He's the guitarist. Uh, and he's like all, the person always writing the songs. I'm pretty sure the the instrumentation always comes first or normally comes first in Dance Gavin Dance's music because the main defining quality throughout all these rotating members and vocalists has been the guitar style, which is very like complex. And um, that's why I think they lean into these instrumental things because you can hear just how yeah. talented Will Swan is as, yeah. a, as a musician. Yeah. And yeah, so he and Matt Mingus who is the drummer, are mm -hmm. the only two members who have been in there since the beginning, since their first EP. It's called Whatever I Say is Royal Ocean. And that first lineup, um, it had Will Swan and Matt Mingus and several other guys, including the this current screamer, John Mess, who's been in there minus one album in the middle. He is another big part of the band. John Mess's screams. Uh, and him, him as just a character, he's kind of a funny guy. And he's known for his oftentimes, um, the things he says in the screams are like either riddles or they're just kind of nonsensical gibberish. Yeah. Like, cause he strings together words. And I think he said this a lot of the times what he's singing or screaming or sing screaming, uh, he leans into this style that is like, he's, he's aiming to write something that just sounds good to him. Like, what do you call that? Like sonically? Like phonetically. Ph yeah, phonetically or like the sonic texture of the lyric yeah. is more important to him half the time than the, the meaning. The words themselves. Yeah, the actual like like thematically tying into whatever the cleans guy is <laughs> singing. So that provides a lot of cool, funny, quotable moments from John Mess. And if you look into some of their lyrical history, some of the stuff he says is just whack. And we'll probably dig into that a little bit with the album. Um, yes. And, and then the initial... Why did he leave for that one album? Do you know? He left for... Um, it was their third studio LP called Happiness. And actually, Will Swan and took up Screams. he was unhappy. <laughs> yeah. He left, I think it was because of... I think it was Amiable, because he came back. I think it was... Uh, he was uh, working through stuff with his voice. Because, you know, screaming is really difficult. and That is true. Um, if you're not, you know, down with your technique... If you're not very careful, uh, you can just completely ruin your vocal cords. Yeah, if you're, um, not, if you're not D with your T. And John Mess, it's really interesting too to watch his style evolve over time because it was very raw and you can tell like these kids were like 20, uh, 18, 19 years old at the beginning. Yeah. And now, you know, being like in the early 30s, John Mess's style has just gotten really, really, really good. Sure. And his range too, like sometimes he's been experimenting lately with the sing screaming or he'll like, be, he'll still be screaming, but he'll, his range is just crazy. He can go up and down and kind of get pretty jiggy with it. This is, so this is your, the way I talk about music is not as uh, analytical as Steven does. I just enjoy, I, I don't look at music the same way I do films. So I'm sorry if this podcast is going to be kind of a wash for some people. I'm enjoying it so far. Okay. I can fill in the gaps where you suck. So moving, moving forward, which is frequent me sucking, uh, moving forward hey kind of quickly. Uh, so the initial Cleans vocalist was Johnny Craig. He was on LPs one and four. Uh, this is where some of the drama starts. Yeah. Johnny Craig, uh, everyone who loves Dance Gavin Dance throughout their history will say how amazing Johnny Craig as a vocalist is. It's like insane, like one in a million talent. But apparently he's just a massive douchebag, or he was back in the day. So Gosh. he was there for the first EP. What a douche. And then the first studio LP. And then I think he was kicked um, for various reasons, various douchebaggery. 
um, and scumbaggery. Like we're talking like Moss Eisley shit, like scamming people okay. and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and then they brought in for their second LP, Kurt Travis, who is really also well loved in this post hardcore scene. He's been, uh, Kurt's done a lot of work with a lot of other bands, like a lot like Birds. Right now he's doing Royal Coda, who who tours frequently with Dance Gavin Dance, and they share members too. Hmm. And Dance Gavin Dance, the Will Swan has kind of started a, his own record label, and he's kind of because of his talent started a, a subgenre called Swancore. And a lot of these artists who have like interacted with Dance Gavin Dance over the years are now part of this kind of uh, either label or touring group because they have a very similar style. So Kurt Travis is in a group right now um, with Will Swan actually called Royal Coda and a couple other people like Sergio Medina. And um, so they all, they're all still friends. And so Kurt was there for albums two and three. And then so Kurt left because of reasons. I guess it was amiable because everyone's still friends. But I think he also wanted, oh, I think, so the, the history is kind of foggy, but I, initially I heard that he left because he wanted to do kind of a different experimental style with music. And you can hear that in the third LP. It's a little bit more funky. But I think the, the true story is Will, Will Swan was kind of burned out and he just wanted to kind of end the group. But they thought they'd do one more album. And so the fourth LP, they brought back Johnny Craig, the first guy. And they did that LP and it was it was pretty successful, but Johnny was still Johnny. And so they kind of just were wondering like if this was going to be it, if they were going to be done as a band. This is like circa 2011, I think, 2010, 2012. Uh, but they, they looked around a little bit and they found... Um, they were looking for a new vocalist, and they found Tillian Pearson, who came from another group called Tides of Man, I think. And Tillian is, was known and is known for his very high range. I don't know if it's really considered falsetto, but any, anybody who's listened to Tillian, no one can really sing in that register. <laughs> I don't think it's false. It doesn't sound like falsetto to me. It's very high. Yeah. Um, so this they, they brought him in for their fifth LP, and... Um, they used that was the only album they used a different producer for. Usually, they work with a guy called Chris Crummett, who is apparently just as instrumental in the sound as Will Swan because he's always the producer. They they went with someone else for that LP, and it was a little bit of a different sound. The mix uh, and the master was a little bit messier, but they were I, they gelled pretty well, all the members, and so they started to plan their resurgence as this big brand name. And they came out with their sixth LP, which is where the band kind of exploded back onto the scene. And I think that was instant gratification. And it was a big hit. Roll into the seventh LP, Mothership. And now Dance Gavin Dance is like essentially becoming uh, a household name in their sphere, right? Which yeah. is like post-hardcore and all that stuff. They're big touring all over the place. Around that time, they do a 10-year anniversary tour, and they bring back like a bunch of the past members, like Johnny Craig and Kurt Travis, and everyone's having a great time. And they make a few more LPs uh, all together, just kind of strong albums. Some of them are better than others. That seventh LP, Mothership, usually people refer to as their best album. Hmm. LPs eight and nine, um, not quite as strong in terms of like a cohesive identity as Mothership, people will usually say. I tend to agree. But they're still great. That ninth LP came out right as COVID started. Mm. And so the band kind of dropped. Sit, they sat on that for a while. Yeah. And I think last year they were back in the studio recording this, which is their 10th LP called Jackpot Juicer. And uh, by all accounts, um, they've poured everything into it. And it's the longest thing they've done so far with 18 tracks. 
over an hour of Dance Gavin Dance content. And in my opinion, it's their finest work. And if it is their swan song, no pun intended, which it might be, I don't know, because mm. of a lot of stuff that's happened in the last year Dang. with the band, then it is it is the perfect way to to end it because it is yeah. it's really good. And I've been listening to it nonstop. Yeah. I think um, even outside of my own tastes, which it appeals to, I think it's just a strong, yeah, strong album. But that's where we're at. Yeah, I also think it's a good album. Um, I don't expect everyone to like it. Let me let me say that right now is yeah. that this isn't something I'd recommend to every person um, because it's got a lot of uh, elements to it that are like a little edgier, like um, sonically. You know, like screaming, for instance, is not going to appeal to everybody. The complex guitar riffs are not going to appeal to everybody. Uh, lyrically, it might be abrasive to some people at times, but yeah. But I think it's uh, it, yeah. Anyway, that I, we're here because I like it. So <laughs> yeah, I also think it's a good album. It it appeals to my taste like about eighty five percent, I would say, and then there's like a fifteen percent part of their music that I I feel like I I just don't vibe with, and and that's you know good enough for me to make an episode about it on our podcast and 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 talk about it and appreciate it and listen to it you know it all a song or two will probably end up on my end of the year playlist this year cool yeah i really like it you know i i also come from like post punk indie rock like with like hints of of screaming like bands like taking back sunday thursday brand new thrice mars volta yeah yeah mars volta is a huge one um I liked all that stuff in the early 2000s, and and I feel like this just lo- like falls right into that. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and they the guys would all say that's where they've been drawing from inspirationally. Sure, speaking, I've seen Mars Volta a few times live. That'd be a fun show. I think they're making music again. I used to call it. We used to call them the Mars Volia because their logo, it, it didn't seem like a T. <laughs> As an inside joke, but the. That's that's neither here. Nor I'm on there. the outside looking in. Yeah, <laughs> it's still funny. Um, but yeah, let's so so let's talk about some of the drama that's happened. Yeah, there's been, there's been some heat. I mean, let's talk about the bassist. Yeah, Tim Fierick, uh, who is their bassist and has been for at least half of the Run. lifespan of the band. Yeah, he passed away earlier this year, around February or March. I'm not. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was an overdose. Um, Sad. Potentially laced because all that fentanyl stuff's happening. Yeah. But yeah, that was devastating to the band. And a couple other things happened, um, maybe not because of it, but Tillian Pearson, who I mentioned has been doing the uh, clean vocals for six albums. There were just recently some allegations of sexual misconduct. And I don't know if he's in the clear or not, but he, when that happened... Um, they, the Dance Gavin Dance was kicked from the big tour they were going to be a part of for this 2022 summer. And uh, they had to set up their own tour. They put Tillian on leave and they brought in, or they brought up to the forefront rather, Andrew Wells, who's been kind of guest starring with Dance Gavin Dance for a few years from his project, which is called Idola, another amazing post-hardcore project. And Andrew kind of took up vocal duties and they've been doing their own tour with Royal Coda and these other groups to kind of fill in time. But I don't know if they're going to end up bringing Tillian back. It seemed like, you know, Tillian's kind of a colorful guy 
in terms of his social life. Yeah. And uh, he might have just been reeling from Tim's death and made some bad choices, but I, I couldn't speak more to it yeah. other than... Yeah, because yeah. you're not him. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, don't, I don't really know what happened. I just know a couple women had some not great things to say about mm. uh, interactions. So It's crazy when these, like, to me, this is totally tangential, but it's crazy to me when I see these, like, not fringe, but these, like, people that have these kind of, like, small, fo- but, like, large, but, like, insular yeah. followings. Very dedicated. Like, like, like some of these Twitch streamers or like even like within Smash Brothers, like the the, the Nintendo game, there were like yeah. popular smashers that like blew up and like their their careers in this very small kind of like sphere. Yeah. Because of sexual misconduct and, and but it it's catastrophic for the people that are involved. But uh-huh. like if you don't follow that thing or that band or that Twitch streamer or whatever it is you're not going to hear about it or know about it at all. It's, it's not going to affect you because it's not really like really in the, the forefront of pop culture. Like yeah. what's happening right now with Olivia Wilde and don't worry, darling. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's all over the internet. There's memes about it. Everyone. <laughs> Cause it's like one of the two movies Warner brothers is putting out this year. Yeah. But stuff like this, it's like, I wouldn't have known about that if I didn't ask you what your favorite band was. And you're like, Oh, I like this band called dance, Gavin dance. And I, I had never heard of them when you told me about them, but they have like every single one of their songs has like at least over like a million plays, if not like close to 2 million, if not over 2 million plays for this new album, that's only been out for five weeks. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy. Jackpot Juicer was their most successful album to date. And I think it would, it jumped at uh, number eight on the billboards top 200. Really? And it had a massive... It's, it's insane that I've never heard of these guys until like a year or two ago. Yeah, you might have just, you know, Skip incidentally over. like been in... Like we were we were somewhere the other day, we were in an ice cream shop and Dance Gavin Dance was playing. Yeah. And I feel like, you know... I generally... Because this, <laughs> this kind of stuff... There's a specific style, and we'll talk about it when we get into the album, of that kind of high singing and, and screaming and singing that reminds me a lot of Fall Out Boy. Yeah. And I detest fallout boy so anytime <laughs> i hear it i i i have to get over that like negative bad taste in my mouth the baggage yeah and then and then and accept it as this new thing yeah and that's kind of what i've the journey i've been on with this album since i listened to it 24 um, hours ago yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, well well yeah and fallout boy doesn't doesn't really have any screams right but in terms no, of like it's just that like yeah it's it's that kind of energy. I don't, know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's a vibe. Uh, for is for like clean vocals. It almost sounds like I don't know. Like <laughs> you say something mean? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I remember when I started listening to Dashboard Confessional. Oh yeah, and and further seems forever. And people used to call Chris Caraba's voice like whiny or like whatever. Oh okay. And and I never thought it was. I always liked it. I always liked his voice. But there was like a specific style of voice that I didn't like, and like that kind of like Fall Out Boy feel. Um, there's another band that I can't even remember that was exactly like that as well. There's a lot. Yeah. Well, um, they had their time, you know. Yeah. But the Mars Volta was like one that I could accept because I could recognize their like musical genius behind what they were doing, and I think Dance Gavin Dance, especially centered around Will Swan. Will Swan, as soon as I saw a picture of him, he, just so you guys know, he's like this bigger, like black dude who just like 
wails on his guitar. He's constantly just like up and down and playing melodies left, like just all over uh, his fretboard. And it's like, it's like he never stops. And, and what a powerful figure for like being the center of a band. He reminds me a lot of like who Thundercat is when he yeah. slaps his bass and goes all over the place. He's constantly walking up and down the frets. Yeah, exactly. I love that idea. Like I love the idea of who that is and, and being the centerpiece for this band. And and it's like that with a lot of bands for me. Like it, it takes hearing their story for me to like get into them. Um, but once I do, I like love them forever. So Yeah, it was funny when we were listening to it the other day. And you were like asking me like, is it, who's this and who's this guy? Yeah, yeah. And looking through their social media. Yeah. And it was cool for me because it's, I don't really follow anyone else uh, in the music world like I do dance, Kevin dance. Sure. And, um, that's how I was with mute math. My probably yeah. still my favorite band, but they're broken up now, but yeah, I didn't follow anyone. Like I followed them even still. I mean, well yeah, now, still. now with social media, it's like you can do whatever you want. Anytime. But I just don't, I don't, I don't follow anyone anymore as far as like musicians go. I'm waiting to to find my new favorite band, and, unless Meat Math somehow gets back together. But that you will not happen. The reunion tour? that would not happen. <laughs> no, too much blood in the water. Something something happened, and just like you with this band, I don't exactly know what went down. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But anyway, let's get into the album. Yeah, Jackpot Juicer. We're here. We're here. The tenth LP. So this album opens with a little orchestral prelude. Mm-hmm. Prelude? Overture? I don't know. A little, like, 40, 50-second piece that's actually a reference to their first studio LP uh, with Johnny Craig opened with a track called Untitled. Similar vibe. And Dance Gavin Dance being this kind of legacy project now, they love to do throwbacks, and they, they frequently do. Their eighth LP ended with this cool track where they were constantly singing lyrics from their first few albums, and it was this really cathartic, nostalgic thing for fans, and I'm sure for the band. So they like to do that. So yeah, Jackpot Juicer, the first track is Untitled 2. It's a short little prelude. It's just orchestral, and it's just kind of, it's just warming you up. It's it's beautiful, though, at the same time, what they do with that little orchestra. Yeah, they've, they've been experimenting with that kind of stuff. Um, over COVID, this kind of new sound. So I hope to see more of that in the future because it, it, it shows more the depth of the band. Yeah. But it leads into this big opener track, which is track two, Cream of the Crop, which was, I think, their last single of four to drop before the album came out. And it's basically, it sets the tone for the whole album, in my opinion. It's this, there's a lot of anthemic totally. singles yeah. on this album. Totally. And it's just it's one of the most like recognizable singles i think from this from the album um i think it, and it, and it, and you can recognize it because when you press play on it it has that immediate um hook the melody that he's singing the hey you hook yeah, yeah. hey you yeah that's that's tillian's some, some of his like best style in a nutshell he's got that big yeah that big sexy hook and some of the lyrics here are funny but yeah it's it's a massive <laughs> introduction I think to like what these guys are capable of as a band, like musically. Yeah. I think it was a great way to open the album. And another thing that I didn't really even mention before, this is at least my experience with DGD is that sometimes you'll hear some of these tracks uh, and cream of the crop for me was no different. And it'll kind of, it'll take a few listens or even a couple days to really 
start to come back for me and like not even just appreciate but start to like really love and jive with some yeah. of the music yeah totally i could see that when i heard cream of the crop the first time i was like oh that's kind of cool but some of these other singles are better and sure. now cream of the crop is one of my favorite tracks it's like almost like the cream of the crop you know what i mean yeah it might just straight up like functionally be the best song on the album but yeah. i have my other opinions immediately with this song i i started to think of like thrice and fall out boy like if they were to mix it's like definitely that for me, um, especially like with the constant melodic guitar riffs that we were talking about with Will Swan. They remind me of, and like I've said this already, but they remind me a lot of like old indie rock bands that I used to listen to. Yeah, indie like, emo. Like Counterfeit, who also was a band that had like one album where their drummer wrote all their guitar riffs. So like it was very like in sync, like their guitar constantly riffing with what their drums were doing. Yeah. And that's a lot of what Dance Gavin Dance does. Um Die Radio Die, Further Seems Forever, Jealous Sound, No Knife, Seosin, and like so many more. Yeah. Like I, if I were to have t- like talked about their genre based off of like this track alone and, and listening to it, I would have called it like pretty math rocky, but with like constant guitar riffs happening. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I like that you mentioned that it's kind of back and forth, almost like there's dueling, yeah. whether or not it's the instruments or the vocals. Cause also Tillian and John will go back and forth a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, on verses and that's that's just it's a fun for me it's it's like such an exciting style of music and it's it's so great too when you're trying to like run be (laughs) yeah active i guess exercise or be active (laughs) because it's like it's very like uh action heavy yes i guess i don't know totally and you get a good you get a good serving of john here right after tillian's first uh opening riff and he just goes into it with all of his funny lyrics well here's the song
Maybe. Okay. <laughs> this next song is called Synergy, and it's featuring Rob Damiani. Yeah, this was another one of their singles before the album dropped. Uh, it's it's another one of I those. Could, I could tell it had it had one of the most listens in the whole album. Yeah, it's another one of those. Fan I, fave. I'd call them like identity tracks, mm. where it's kind of like this is what the band's about. But they didn't have too many features on this album. The Rob Damiani feature was fun. It was pretty short. He was only on there for like half a verse. But it's always cool. This is also one of the the uh, songs they had for music videos. Dance Gavin Dance has these pretty funny music videos. And for Jackpot Juicer, the three or four singles they dropped had like this running storyline where John Mess is a rat king. He's dressed up as this like <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese rat. And the rest of the band are like yeah. just around him and trying to deal with him. Right. Uh, take care of him. I'm pretty sure. Wait, who's the screamer again? John Mess. John, John. I'm pretty sure he screams in the song, My Face is Frosted. I'm pretty sure he says that. He probably which, does. Which is amazing. I also like the line where Tillian sings, I'm living life as if I'm already dead. Yeah, John Mess says, I'm shopping, my face is frosted, I'm, ah! s- I'm spilling cups, and then I'm fucking the Fed. <laughs> That's a great example of John Mess's style. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it works. track four it's called holy ghost spirit um, let me let me just jump in here for one second and say that um thematically speaking not like from my personal experience but this album some of the stuff it deals with thematically in the lyrics particularly tillian stuff that he's working through which is funny and heavily ironic because all this album came out before the allegations of his sexual misconduct <laughs> but a lot of the stuff he's singing about in this whole album it's talking about relationships it's talking about mistakes and making amends for those mistakes in your life uh it touches on mental health and self-care and a big one for the band uh, is validation and self-fulfillment um because like with their growing following there's always like part of the the dedicated fan base you mentioned earlier who's like yeah uh, very reactive to yeah. the music, yeah. and sometimes it, their LPs are you know polarizing for the fans. Sure. And so I mentioned that here because I think Holy Ghost Spirit is is one of those tracks where they start to get into those themes. Yeah, I really liked the the nice little drum roll that starts at around twenty eight seconds, and I like the melody in this song a lot. It's I think it's a really catchy song. It is. Yeah. Some people, I've seen a lot of people say their favorite one-two hits off this album are Holy Ghost Spirit and Defore the Jeers, and it's they're, they're pretty catchy, catchy songs. Some of the deeper cuts on the album, because they weren't singles, and they're not usually like 
I'm curious if they'll they'll play some of these songs. Why? Usually, Dance Kevin Dance will have like songs that they play more of the time than other songs. Yeah. For different reasons, sure. And so I think these these would be fun songs, especially would... when you have ten albums and the last album was eighteen songs long. Yeah. brings us to for the jeers this album opens with andrew wells actually the album um, or the song or sorry this song yeah, yeah that's the guy that filled in sometimes mm-hmm. i'm not sure i like this one very much it's it's a one of the ones that grew on me over time it's a little bit more stylistic i'd say or like different than what the band's song or like sound usually is i think it's the lyrics for me oh yeah i think i think they come off as a little cheesy but like I, oh yeah so that's that's one of the things I was going to say is that sometimes, and this isn't usually indicative of Andrew, but more Tillian, some, and this is, happens a lot in the last two LPs, is that he'll he, some of his lyrics are very like... Cheesy. Well, they're like almost like pompous. They're like, they're, they're pump yourself up songs lyrically where they're like, he, I mean, he, they're saying in the song, I'll never fail. They're kind of anthem. <laughs> is he trying to create like an anthem sort yeah, of? Yeah, this, this, this is one of those super anthemic tracks. And there, there's some of that stuff on this album, which I can imagine a crowd of thousands of people like singing that over. And yeah. Over and, and I think I think that's what they had intended yeah. when they were writing or at least when Tillian was coming on to. That's cool. Like, I, I got to admit that that's pretty sweet. I yeah. mean, if I their shows are rad. Too. Yeah. I've I, actually been to one or two of their shows oh. and these tracks play super well with the crowd. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, not my favorite track either, but it's really cool. Because I'm a big Andrew Wells fan as well, and I really like the sound of his voice intercutting with Tillian, and I think you hear that at the end as well. Yeah. And so that's always fun to have features on the song. I'll never fail, I'll never Why am I always keeping score? 
moving forward into Ember. 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 I, I really like this song. Well, that was one of my first um, favorites as well yeah. on my first listen. Yeah. And one of those reasons is because uh, there's always a couple tracks also on a DGD album where Tillian just goes really into the soaring vocals in a chorus. And this is probably like his his best, in my opinion, on the album in terms of like pushing himself. I don't even know if he can hit those notes live every time, but he they they, they make it work on, on the studio recording. Of course. Yeah, and one of the things he says in this is, do you remember, which is why I think it's called Ember, right? Because yeah. Ember is in the word remember. Uh-huh. Yeah. The lyric- clever. <laughs> clever. <laughs> it, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah, this album, this this song on the album is like him um, reconnecting with, you know, loved Fire. ones. Trying. It's this is one of those heavily ironic songs, mm. knowing what happens you know, down the line because he's like trying to get back with someone mm. after like falling out of touch, falling out of love, maybe in a relationship. Yeah, one of those things where it's like you've made mistakes and now we're trying to make amends and, you know, yikes, relationships. Yeah. So we've all been there. You know, some of us more than others. You know, love is tricky. It's a tricky thing. Keep it all to yourself. Keep it out of my sight. Hold your tongue and hold tight. Just to prevent a fight. Yeah. All to yourself. Out of my sight. Accumulate your spite. Though you know it ain't right. You wanna burn some money? Hop in the fight to Panama We gotta get under the sun You feel the rapture waiting You know we can't just carry on Got some damage done Let me back inside I surrender I surrender We can make this right Pop off, yeah. Pop off, King. pop off. One of this Queen. one, one of the first or second singles is pop off. Yeah, pop off is another one of those, in my opinion, like John Mess centric tracks, mm-hmm. where he just gets to he just gets to have fun with it. Yeah, this song starts with like this crazy intro, and then it slows down like a bunch, and it kind of almost becomes like a reggae feel. It's not actually reggae. It's not like yeah. ding, 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 it, but it, it has um, a rhythm to the guitar track that that makes it feel sort of like that can you just read the first four lines for me for it lyrically yeah (laughs) (laughs) ball cupping make you stare of course all this shit isn't fair i don't care (laughs) i'm coming everywhere (laughs) that's what john mess is screaming Uh, it's it's pretty crazy well yeah he's talking about ejaculation uh yep you have anything else to say about this one no it's not really a thematically super deep in my opinion it's just one of those more fun tracks which i think is why it was released as a single sure (laughs) 
song is called yes this is so this this will probably be my favorite song on the entire lp it's one man's cringe also one of my favorite it's one of it you get a lot i'm stuttering because i'm you're excited i'm excited (laughs) uh it's got a lot of different styles in the song that slows down a bit for some of the verses with tillian and he gets a little more real as well Uh, but also it's got some cool references to to legacy dgd stuff like when john mess opens with don't listen to acceptance speeches. Their first album with Tillian was called Acceptance Speech. So it's like John is also constantly reflecting on his own work. And I don't know if he's serious. Like he's saying, like, don't listen to that album anymore. Because yeah. that was that was actually a pretty fun album as well. So Yeah, this song is rad. It's got a lot of math rock, like a lot of start and stop. Also one of the groovier tracks on the album. Yeah, and the screaming melody is on point, as well as the singing melodies. Yeah, anytime the band can balance those different styles. I think it's just, it, it makes Dance Gavin Dance special, that quality. For sure. When it goes hard and kind of has that post-hardcore edge, but it's also very groovy. Right. And you constantly find yourself moving to the beat and it feels like it'd be fun to dance to. But yeah, lyrically also, there's somebody out there living in despair, needing the words of the song, uh, move on, I'll move on, can't spend my time making something for everyone this was supposed to be fun so it's also kind of a just rebuttal to like you know fan outcry over you know some music that they they don't like when a band changes its sound over time because that happens a lot in the music industry a a band will start to make a different kind of music and the fans in a kind of entitlement they will often uh, lash out yes you know and that it's uh it's just a shame i've never really held that against a band and a lot of my favorite bands in the past have changed their style over time. 100%. 100%. You know, but it's I, it's the artist's prerogative, in my opinion, to just totally you know keep making stuff. That's a very good conversation, and I'm really trying to cut myself off from having it for the sake of time. But yeah, I think that could be applied to the macro aspects of life because like a lot of people just kick against change, especially with like in film and television. It's like oh, this isn't as good as whatever, but whatever it was before. But I think if people could, could be more open to new experiences and new sounds and new things, uh, I think they'd find that there's a lot of beauty there as well, you know? Yeah. And you can still have the conversation over whether or not that thing can or is objectively good or quality. Right. But I, I never want somebody to feel bad for just be like trying to explore other areas. Totally. And, you know, totally. find themselves in that new content. Yeah. Content's such a funny word. And it feels bad, man.
Yeah, it feels bad, man. Is the basically the last track on the first half of the LP, and it ends it. it feels bad, man. Is is a pretty fun singular track on this album for me. It has this kind of summertime uh, laying by the pool vibe to it, and that's actually what their music video for it is. It's the whole band kind of just next to a pool, uh, just just like enjoying an afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It reminded me a lot of like Two Door Cinema Club. Yeah, uh, specifically this song. I but I I really dug it. I like the bass, how it's like constantly walking up and down. Yeah, Tim time. Tim did a great job on that track. Yeah, especially. Yeah, and I'm I'm sad we'll never get to see him play it. But yeah, yeah, it, it's a little slower. It's a, it leans into the groove a little bit more. John Mess has some fun lyrics here where he gets to just. It's crazy because I I wouldn't call this slow. I would just call it slower than the rest of the music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> especially moving into the second half of the album. You're alive Do you ever really stop and wonder why Is your soul fortified By the tiny twinkling light inside your eyes Whoa, another night Should you live with your regrets or just get begin with track 10 it is uh die another day not to be confused with james bond yeah what's what's who's that bond it was pierce, pierce brosnan. brosnan yeah not to be confused with the pierce brosnan bond film this one opens hard and yeah. fast yeah and this was one of their singles as well and immediately became my favorite track i think until i started listening to the album as a whole yeah it's just it's a jam yeah they get really rocky and like it, it it starts with like that meandering melody and then the melody once it hits at about 40 seconds like the the actual melody i like the hits with the lead guitar going off as the transition from like the hook to what i think is the verse but i really like this song too because that that verse is sweet after Tillian's verse that kind of hook hits yeah yeah we also have some fun lines from john mess here he says pigeon in my vision frigid in the kitchen (laughs) blithering committed piebald cow Scummy ballerina standing on your femur, pop your sloppy doggy eyeballs out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and it sounds ridiculous, but when you hear it in the song, yeah. it, it works. Yeah. Just take my word for it. Here it is. Lay my tentacles in the crucible just to see the world. I 
Moving on, we've got a fun track called Two Secret Weapons. These are all fun tracks, but Two Secret Weapons stands out. And to me, it's very kinda, poppy. It's very poppy. It's also, it feels if you were to like to throw all these tracks in a blender, it's the one thing that is kind of unlike the others, in my yes. opinion. Yeah, it's like it's like a pop song. Yeah. And thematically, too, I was going to say, it. it's kind of also a lone wolf in that sense. Two Secret Weapons, Tillian, the whole song is singing about uh, breast implants for this woman who is aging and she's doing this thing to kind of stay young and stay relevant and stay alluring. So it's a fascinating little track. It's grown on me over time, but it felt initially very uh, like dissonant with the tone of the album. I like this song a lot. I, I, uh, I'm not sure I like how it starts, but I like (laughs) where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's classic dance. dance. shorter sweeter track following that polka is dot. polka dot dobbins and this is one that reminds me of the back half of their last lp afterburner where it's kind of this it's this like uh, fast and hard track with a kind of this this really punchy anthemic yeah. chorus line as well and i think at both tillian and john mess are screaming together at one point they have this uh, line they keep repeating called i'm proud that all this did this mm-hmm. it's another one of those self-affirming self-affirming mm-hmm themes mm-hmm. which is cool sometimes people need that you know when they're they're having a hard time of it yeah. and you want to be like building yourself up this is one of those good tracks for that yeah i love how this song begins like it i love how the melody uh kicks in with that syncopated rhythm like of the guitar and the drums uh like you know it's it, it's not it's not like a in your face sort of rhythm that is recognizable but it it's kind of like off kilter a little bit yeah. Yeah. It also has a great breakdown at the end by John Mess. And some of my favorite John Mess stuff from the band occurs like in the last 20 seconds, 30 seconds of a track. Mm-hmm. There's always a couple like that on every album where it, it ends on a high note. I don't know how else to say it. Um, yeah. My, my lack of musical knowledge coming through yet again. I got a
nights. Long jail. nights in jail. Yeah, this is another interesting track from Tillian in terms of irony, because he's talking about he's talking about like accountability and being held accountable for the things that you know one's doing. That's funny because the the one thing that I started to talk about with this song was Tillian's quality of voice, and I focused on him specifically because like. I, I haven't mentioned it, but you can really hear it in this song. He's got this kind of like slight rasp to his voice. Yeah. Um, amidst being able to belt out a note with like full vibrato where he's literally singing from his chest. That's why I don't think it's a falsetto because it doesn't sound like a falsetto to me. It's, yeah. not, it's not in his head. It's like it's like coming from his diaphragm. But he still has this rasp. Like mm-hmm. It's like a very faint rasp, but you can hear it sometimes, especially when he's singing a little bit softer. Um, but it reminds me a lot of Paul Meany, who is the lead singer of my favorite band, Mute Math. He had a very similar sort of rasp to his voice, like that element. But I, I think it's something that I think is kind of endearing because it's not just like high and, and, and whiny. It, it it actually has this timbre to it that's really nice. Yeah, and they've they've leaned on that harder in the past. And in fact, even before he was Dance Gavin Dance, Tillian's, uh, the rasp was an even stronger part of his identity as a singer Mm. but one of the things that's been a point of contention with fans and potentially within the band in the last few years or the last few lps is that they do a lot of layering in in post-production for Mm. this band and so i bet uh sometimes (laughs) like tillian's voice doesn't sound quite as natural as it could yeah um and i i don't know i'd I'd like to hear what he can do um without a lot of that yeah post-production because i really do like the that quality of his voice that kind of raspy range but yeah, it's a fun track. Pretty groovy. Can't defend your code. Nothing lasts forever. Sneaky undertones. Give way to adventure. Don't tell me what to believe. No, don't tell me when to be free. Hatch another My second favorite track on the album probably is going to be the next one, which is Back on Deck. And that's mostly because the guitar effect they have on this opening riff. Yeah. It's very, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like a phaser effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've never heard that from this group before. Mm. And so it was in, instantly striking to me. I The thing that struck me about this song is I, I it's, it's just like straight up pop. I mean, there's that other poppy song 
two secret weapons, but this is just straight pop. Like the drum beat has that double time on the hi hat the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, and but it has some nice moments in it for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm not even It's really catchy. I wouldn't unless I was found out normally say that I lean towards pop. Like yeah. I, it's I never really listen to pop. Yeah, you do. But somehow when it's blended in That's true about you. It really appeals to me. Sure. Like, I don't know. I like <laughs> pop. I like pop a lot and I know that you like pop less than me, so I I I don't hold it against you, man. Yeah. Also at the end Andrew Wells comes in and sings with Tillian again, so I'm a sucker for that. She whispers sweet bullshit in my ear. talk about current events current events is a fun song uh it's another song with a story and they're kind of talking it's a little bit more topically relevant it's talking about media and media coverage and, mm. and it's it's also funny knowing more about the band specifically because tillian's <laughs> i mentioned he was colorful earlier he's he's had a lot of oftentimes bizarre takes on twitter and that he's found himself in the hot seat more than once for um, but it's funny cause there's a line on this track where he says like, he hasn't changed an opinion in like 15 years. Um, Uh-oh. that might be, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of this kind of rebellious song about like, uh, criticism towards media and, um, the mm. news and stuff like that. And I really like the syncopation in the beginning that like that kind of syncopated, it really is the play. And I think it was interesting to hear you talk about how Will Swan and Matt Mingus were the, like the, the foundation of the band. Cause the play between those two elements, the drums and the, the lead guitar is so prevalent throughout the whole album. And specifically in this song with the syncopation going back and forth between them. Yeah. And then right at 58 seconds, that guitar starts doing this, I don't know how to describe this accurately, but it, it does this like boppy pop melody thing uh, using some sort of like synthy effect. And, and that's pretty cute. I like that a lot. Yeah. It's like boom, beam, boom, beam, boom, boom, beam. Poppy again. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's cool. It's cool production. I wonder how much of that comes in like later in the process. And they're like, you know, what would be fun there is just to like throw this in. Beam, boom, boom, <laughs> beam, boom. Yeah, it's another, like, you could start dancing a little bit. I mean, I think that's even in the name of the band, you know what I mean? Yeah, true.
You know what, Gabe? <laughs> I pray to God for your mother. <laughs> hey, that's the title of our third to last track what? <laughs> on this LP. Pray to God for your mother. Um, I wrote, I like the idea of this song. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. One of their last songs at, <laughs> in the last couple albums was called Bloodsucker, and it also dealt with mothers. And it's funny just to see that. Uh, I mean, because everybody has, you know, parents, and everybody has moms and dads sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's like everybody has parents. There's a lot of baggage there. So I don't know exactly what the point of them. I wonder if they're like trying to, yeah, if it means anything or if it's just another. Because it's a John, it's a John Mess lyric in the song. So I'm never really sure if he's trying to mean something, or if he's just saying words for fun. Yeah, I like the part uh, at, at about one minute where like everybody sings together, and it's like with the syllables of the words um, and the drums and the guitars. Obviously, everybody's like in sync doing that one thing. Yeah, it's another one of those deep cuts for me personally, too, on, on the lyrical level, because it says stuff like, uh, come to terms with the painful truth, pray to God that we make it through. Uh, you want to tap out, but you feel ashamed to back out. What would your friends and family say? And uh, Good luck out there, Gabe. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> That leads us into... Um, yeah, for real. Swallowed by Eternity. Dance Gavin Dance albums, at least in Tillian's time with the band, they always, in my opinion, end with this big one-two outro. And usually the first song, I think, hard goes harder than the, than the final track, and that is no exception here. Swallowed by Eternity is, in my opinion, the most operatic, mm-hmm. uh, intense song on the album. Totally. And it, I think it, once again, it's one of those tracks that really show the yeah. capability of the band yeah. with Tillian soaring vocals and he leads in. There's another song really similar to this actually called Man of the Year, which closes out one of their last LPs where Tillian opens this, like the first minute of the song is this this ballad. It's about, I wrote that same thing, yeah. And then it punches right in with the chorus and you have the guitar and the drums and John Mess. Yeah. And it just goes crazy. I When the ballad starts in the in the beginning... I, I would have said that that was like an electric piano, but it's guitar for sure after listening to it. Um, I really like where the song goes after the ballad part is done, but I, I really like this song a lot. Yeah. Th- those are oftentimes some of my most played tracks are those yeah. those big ones. Same. Yeah. Well, I, I thought you were going to say like the last one or two tracks of an album are oftentimes some of my favorite songs on a, on the album. 
Yeah, I I feel that way for sure about this band. I'm I don't know if I'm normally that way. Yeah, but I normally am. Yeah, like I some, feel like isn't that normally where bands will put some of their biggest stuff, you know, to close the, the album? Yeah, they're most like impact driven. Like I'm summarizing the whole theme of this album in this one song kind of thing. It's a miracle that I got this far. It's a miracle that I got this far. It's a goddamn miracle that I got this far. It's a goddamn miracle that I got this far. I think, in my opinion, that carries through into what is our last track here. Have a great life again. At least thematically again, Have a Great Life is this fun kind of closure to everything the band's been dealing with on this LP and coming out of COVID. And it's this kind of, it's like a message to the fans. It's one of those tracks where they're saying, you know. I could see that. We we hope you're enjoying this, and ultimately we want you to have a great life. Yeah, it really felt (laughs) like they threw a lot of their sound and the variety that they've included on this album into this one song, you know, like all, all of the elements that they've been pulling from seems like it, it kind of just hits here at one all at once. And then I like how the ending feels like a chant. Like it's, it's yeah. they're chanting this thing that again, I could, I could imagine all the fans screaming and chanting that same thing as they close out a show or something. Yeah. I think all the singers were, in on that and they the the lyrics are pretty fun because they're pretty self-aware and on the nose or on the nose but self-aware yeah they're the lines they're singing are uh pro they they, they're chanting profound enlightening inspiring meaningful statement that's the line and then they echo it with no one makes it out go have a great life and then they say it again profound enlightening inspiring meaningful statement gotcha almost like they're poking fun both at themselves yeah uh, but it's also very, like as it's very satirical. Yeah, as mu- music is itself like yeah. as a whole as yeah. well. Yeah, totally. Which I love. I love when when not just music, but like artists in general are self-aware and they can yeah. have that levity. Yeah, I think that's what Taika Waititi was trying to do in Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah, and he tried. Didn't, didn't <laughs> successfully pull. You off. don't want to lean into it too far. You don't want to be actually self-indulgent. You just want the yeah. appearance of self-indulgence. Don't be a don't be a caricature. But here's Have a Great Life.
that's the album. Yeah, I'm 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 glad we got through it. I don't I don't feel like I was too miserable no. talking about it. I do have one question though. Yeah. What the hell? What the hell? Is on Joey's head? Does <laughs> dance Gavin dance mean? What does it mean? Yeah. Do you know? know? I don't think anyone really knows. <gasps> honestly. There's, they don't have they didn't have like a friend named Gavin that they're like, dance Gavin dance. And like and it was became an inside joke and that became the name of the band. No, I think it was a little less meaningful i think when i think when the band was starting I, was literally out, off the top of my head just now so i don't know yeah. how less meaningful it could before get. they had their lp royal ocean in the beginning i think i don't remember there might be even like contradicting stories about the origin of the name but i think they were just trying to find something so they just like threw that out there and settled on it because there is no gavin as far as i know yeah but it but it works because this is a groovier sound for hardcore music. Sure. And so Dance Gavin Dance is this kind of striking phrase for a name. I don't know. I mean, it's like Bombay Bicycle Club. Like, yeah, they could not pick a name, so they they picked the first Indian restaurant they saw. But it's cool to see a name like that, like headlining, because yeah. you're like, oh my god, Bombay Bicycle Club, or like, and they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know totally. I would see these guys live. I think it's a a really fun show. And I know at least just even over everything, John mess sounds just as good, if not better live screaming his. Wow. Actually that was, I forgot to mention the latest piece of drama is that just, I think a week ago, John mess uh, had to take medical leave and they're, they are putting their current tour on hiatus. So this is their makeup tour. I think they're putting it on hiatus because now John Mess needs a month of medical leave. Oh, no. His doctor said you need to just relax for a bit. Sad. But, yeah, I don't know. All things considered, in my opinion, incredible band with a really fun mm-hmm. and deep history, deep catalog of music. Going back, like, even to their first LP, it's such a banger still, and it's it's much more harder. There's really no groove there. But it's really cool, and I hope I hope the best for them moving forward. Um, hopefully Tillian's able to figure his shit out and hopefully whatever he did was not so bad that the band's going to just leave him out from, for now on. Um, because even though the band's always moving through members, I think they've found this identity over the last six LPs and they've made a name for themselves. Yeah. And it would be sad to see that disappear, especially after such an incredible run, run and this album in particular. So for sure. Thanks for letting me share that with the podcast, Steven. Oh, I mean, and I'm excited. Welcome. We'll get a couple people. Hopefully, a couple people are into it, and we'll check it out. The entirety of the Dance Gavin Dance fandom will be listening to this episode and loving it. Well, yeah, maybe all one million of them. <laughs> <laughs> If you could meet one of the members of the band... It would be John Mess. Really? Yeah. That, I would, that I would dude, want to meet Will Swan. John Mess has a few side projects where he just goes even crazier. And it, it's he, John Mess seems to me like one of those people that operates on another wavelength. Oh. Of, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like, he does all this weird art, too. Mm. Um, I, I would just love to... But he also seems like, simultaneously, it'd be like kind of down to earth and have a beer with him. Sure. You know? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I hope you get to meet him one day. It'd be cool. 